Hey everybody, Nate Clark here. I'm the pastor of Oasis Church here in Richmond, Virginia. We pray that this podcast is helpful and encouraging to you in your life. Here's today's message. Uh, we, we started off last week talking about Sabbath and rest by saying there's some words that you could use to describe people's lives and kind of the pace and the overall spirit of culture as we live in in 2022. And a few of these words were this. Uh, if you can relate, somebody just uh, say amen. How about this? Full, uh, busy, uh, loud, hurried, tired, exhausted, depleted, distracted, restless. Anybody relate? It's just go, 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 busy, 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 full, full, full. How you doing? Busy. I'm good. Busy, tired. All right. This is, there's just this kind of pace to the world today. And so we talked about Sabbath last week, and this week we're going to talk about retreating. And if we're going to live in the fullness of God, we've got to have a rhythm of retreating in the midst of the pace and the noise of the world around us. I was trying to think about what's something similar to kind of how we walk through our spiritual lives. I was thinking about the state fair. Anybody been to the state fair before? I love the fair. Like at least once a year, you gotta go spend way too much on some terrible food. Come on, somebody, you just, you just gotta do it. You just gotta go. And so uh, the last few years, we've loved going to the fair and just walking around and you know eating funnel cakes for days and all this kind of stuff. And my favorite part, you know, they got the whole loop where there's like the food and then there's like the bands and then there's you know all the kinds of exhibits. But my favorite part about the fair, the part that gets me, the part where temptation gets the best of me and I drop more money than I want to and I just hang out way longer is the games. This is what I'm talking about, right? All those carnival games, the fair games. And so, so you get to that part of the fair, that part of the loop, and it's just, you know you're in the game section because the people that are working the games are trained professionals. They are assassins. They, they know exactly what they're doing. And, and how, how it is to like walk through the game thing, I just thought we'd just, here's, here's kind of how it's like. So cue the music. Here we go. Welcome to, welcome to the State Fair, everybody. You, you're just walking around enjoying time with your family, and they're like, hey, man, hey, come on down. Hey, oh, you look like an athlete. Come on down. Three for $5, 10 for $20. Come on, you know. Here you go. Oh, you look like you know what you're doing. Yeah, here you go. Oh, you look good. Here you go down, yeah, come on down. Go on, hey. And then the basketball, those are my favorite. They're like, hey, come on, shooter. Yeah, you got a jump shot. Come on down, man. You looking good, Ethan. Heads up, brother. Come on. And then games, here you go. Come on. Woo! You want a pink flamingo? You got it. Let's go. Hey, hey. And just <laughs> And you walk through the games and you're like, oh my gosh, like, wow. You're like, that was quite an experience, and now I have $100 less, and I have no pink flamingos or basketballs or like, you know what I mean? It's like, every, by the way, if you got one of those, I need those back at the end of the service. <laughs> I need them back by the end of the service. So, but it's like, they, the people that run those games are trained professionals, and here's where they're professionals. They're not just professionals at their little game that they've mastered and, you know, they're professionals at getting your attention. That's all they're after. That's all they want to do. They want to get your attention because they know if they can get your attention, they can begin to get some of your time. And if they can get some of your time, they'll eventually get your money. 
And if they can get some of your money, they'll get more of your money. <laughs> They're professionals. It starts with your attention. And this is the world we live in. Everywhere we go, everything we're doing, there are people and businesses and money and groups after your attention. There are billion-dollar businesses, like Facebook and Instagram is the easiest example of this. These are billion-dollar businesses, and their product is not a news feed. Their product is not a digital ad. Their product is your attention. They go to people that want to market, and they sell your attention. So they exist... There's thousands of people that wake up every day with money behind them. They exist to get your attention. And so this is how we live. I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. There could be good things that get your attention and bad things. I'm just saying that's the reality of the world we live in. So we're walking our life. We're walking down the path that God would have for us. And every step of the way is noise. And people and things grabbing at your attention. And if you don't have a rhythm of retreating, you will live chaotically because of this. You will live one game to the next, one thing to the next, one distraction to the next. You will live discombobulated, disorganized, chaotic, unraveled because everything is fighting for your attention. And so Jesus models for us a rhythm of retreating, a rhythm of retreating. What is retreating? Retreating is temporarily removing yourself from the noise, from all these things to get alone with God. I've got some notes that I want to give you today, and hopefully you got on your way in this note sheet. I said this last week, we're trying this this month for the first time, just to hopefully be a helpful tool for you guys to take some notes. And so um, if you got those, I want you to write this down. This is a quote by Rick Warren. He said it like this. This is your first blank. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. So this is a rhythm or a pattern of retreating. He says, hey, divert daily. Every single day, you've got to have a moment in your day where you pull your attention off of everything around you and you get alone with God. Withdraw weekly. This is the Sabbath. This is what we talked about last week. Six days we work hard. Six days we put our hands to things and produce things. Six days we work at what it is God has called us to do. And one day we withdraw, we rest weekly. And then abandon annually. This is for an extended period of time every single year, leaving whatever your hand is at work at, leaving it and abandoning it to rest, refuel, get along with God, and replenish your soul. Guys, the last two weeks, your pastor is really just trying to get you to take a vacation. <laughs> Come on, I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to get some rhythms of rest and retreating in your life. This is a pattern of Jesus, and one thing that we see about Jesus consistently retreating away is that this did not happen to Jesus accidentally. This did not happen coincidentally. This happened intentionally. Every time Jesus withdrew, it talks about he does it at this time. He goes to this place. If you're going to retreat, you need a time to retreat and a place to retreat. 
If you're going to have a rhythm of retreating in your life, you must have a time to do it and a place to do it. Because if you don't, it won't happen. Many other things in our life we calendar. Especially if you're a planner like me, you live and die by your calendar. If you have a meeting, it's on the calendar. If you have a task, it's on the calendar. If your kid has something, it's on the calendar. If you have something with work or something with your family, it's on the calendar. Why? Because you want to plan for it. You want to make sure it doesn't get interrupted. You want to make sure you prioritize it. Just like you calendar everything else, you need to schedule a time and a place to get alone with God. This is my time to hop out of the carnival of life and the noise of life and to withdraw, to retreat, to spend time with God. You need a time to do it and you need a place to do it. And if you don't have those, it will not happen. Three reasons why we retreat. Number one, we retreat to get alone with God. We retreat to get alone with God. There's sometimes you just need to not be with anyone else, thinking about anything else, hearing anything else, and just get with God. Can I get an amen? You, you just need to get along with God. Every single relationship that is good and healthy has alone time with it. Your walk with Christ must be public and private. Your walk with Christ, it's got to be public. We, we just celebrated just a few weeks ago, two people, part of our church family that got water baptized. What is that? That's publicly declaring their faith. That's saying, I am with Jesus, and I'm not afraid for anybody to know it. I'm going public with my faith. Your faith must be public, like the Apostle Paul said. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed. I'm public. But your faith also has to be private. And it's not either or. It's both and. Every healthy relationship has public parts, private parts to it. I was thinking about this with me and Anna in our marriage. For us to have a good, healthy marriage, we have to show our affection that we love each other publicly. Like, if we were at church and we never looked at each other or never talked to each other around each other, like, that'd be weird. Like, she's my wife and I'm her husband. So when we're in public, what do we do? Well, we can hold hands. I can put my arm around her. I can tell her how much I love her in front of other people, and that's fine because she's my wife. I can do that, right? Like, I, I wear a ring on my finger, and she wears a ring on her finger to let people know, like, I'm with her. She's with me. We're committed to each other, and we're not afraid to act like that around other people. Why? Because we have a great relationship, and there's a public element to that. Does that make sense? But for our relationship to be healthy, there's also got to be a private element to our relationship. Like if we go home today and we're having lunch after church and, and, and she says, honey, I've got something super important that I've just been wanting to share with you. It's been heavy on my heart and I just, is, I just love to talk about this thing that's really important to me right now. And if I just, hold up, hold up, honey, hold on, stop that. That's amazing. That's amazing. I'd love to hear about it. Um, but now's not the time. Uh, next Sunday at church in the lobby when we're with our church family. Gus and Michelle and Kyle and Vicky will all be around. Uh, when we're all together right after service, I'd love to hear what's on your heart. Like, that'd be weird. And I'd be a terrible husband. Right? Because, right? like, yes, we show our love for each other here or anywhere else we go in public. But for us to be healthy, we've also got to have parts of our relationship 
that are private, just between us. There's things just we talk about with, without others. There's the, every good relationship is both private and public. So it is with Christ. We retreat to get alone with God, to get alone with God in the secret place because our faith has to have a private element to it. We, we, we've got to have alone time with our God, with our creator, with our savior, with our good shepherd, with our God, with our peace. I've got to get alone with God. If all of your faith is public, you don't have faith. You have a performance. If every single part of your faith is for the whole world to see, I would conclude you don't have faith. You're a performer. In fact, this is what Jesus gets at the Pharisees about. He says, woe to you. When you pray, you just do it in the street corner for all to hear and hear how great and spiritual your prayers are. When you're giving, you just give nice and loud and the change ringing in the bucket so everyone hears about all your good gifts. But I tell you, uh, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Like Jesus is saying, hey, there's an element to your faith that's got to be private. It's got to be just between you and God. And Jesus isn't saying to not have a public faith because Jesus also says, let your light shine before men and you're a city on a hill. So it's not either or out of the words of Jesus. It's both and. It's, there's got to be parts of your faith that are just between you and God. There's got to be time in your schedule and time in your day and a part of your faith that's I'm going to get alone with God. I'm going to get alone with God in the secret place. And I, I'm going to live for God out there, but I'm going to love God and serve God right here in the secret place behind the closed door with the phone off and the notifications off. I'm going to get alone with God. And if, if all your faith is is public, you're going to constantly be, your soul is going to constantly need a charge from other people that actually have private faith. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like when you didn't plug your phone in at night and you go to work like on 12%. And the whole day, you're just running around looking for a charge. Like, hey, man, it's like, oh, I got 12 minutes in the car to get a quick charge. And, and my coworker at this thing, and at lunch, I got a quick charge. And, if you, and it's like everywhere you go, you're just looking for a quick charge. You're looking for a quick charge. Like, so it is with your soul if you don't have a private devotion to God as part of your faith. Because people that do, you know. And you're going to be walking around looking for a spiritual charge because you don't have a private element to your faith. Your public faith will never be stronger than your private devotion. Your public faith will never be stronger than your private devotion. Your, your faith will only be as strong as your alone time with God. So maybe, maybe a reason why you have such a hard time taking a leap of faith or sharing your faith here or doing this thing God has called you to do, could it be that your private devotion is weak? and you haven't consistently retreated to get along with God to have your soul filled up, that every time you go out here, you're just running on empty, could it be that if you begin to put a rhythm of retreating in your life, your soul could be refreshed and refilled, that when you go out, you have something to pour out? God's got to fill you up for you to have something to pour out. If you're always feeling like you're running on empty, I'd say you got to get along with God. Get alone with God. This quote by Charles Spurgeon, I love it so much, he said it like this. It's in your notes. Woe unto the man whose devotion is observed by everybody, who never offers a secret supplication. Secret prayer is the secret of prayer. It's the soul of prayer, the seal of prayer, the strength of prayer. If you do not pray alone, you do not pray at all. I care not 
Whether you pray in the street, this is right out of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Care not if you pray in the street or in the church or in the barrack room or in the cathedral, but your heart must speak with God in secret or you have not prayed. Got to have a public and a private element to my faith. I need to retreat consistently in my life to get alone with God. My soul needs it. The people around me need it. The call of God on my life needs it. I gotta get alone with God. Number two is this. We retreat to hear from God. Retreat to hear from God. What I see most in the scripture and even in my own life and in people's lives around me that I've observed is that most often God will not get into a shouting match with all the other voices that I allow to be in my life. I'm going to say that again because there's a lot of parts of that that are important. God most often will not get into a shouting match over the other voices that I allow to be in my life. When, when Jesus goes to a place, Mark specifically says he went to a, a, pla- a place of solitude. He went to a, a quiet place, a place where Peter wasn't like mouthing off about something, a place where the disciples weren't struggling with their faith, a place where people weren't looking for a miracle, a place where no other voices were there, no other people were there. Jesus got alone to hear from the Father. Your ability to hear God's voice does not just have to do with the volume of God's voice. It has to do with the level of noise you're allowing in your life. It's it's not just whether God is speaking. God is always speaking. And by the way, if you don't think God is speaking or you you say, man, I haven't heard God speak in a while, like open the book. He's speaking. Just read it. Read a verse he just spoke. This is God's word. Like, like God speaks through his word. He speaks through his spirit. He, and so like he, he's always speaking. The question is, what other noise do you have going on around that could be fighting with the noise that God is trying to put through to you? Let's think about this. Uh, when I fly, uh, I've, I've got these noise-canceling headphones that I use on my trips. And uh, I just, I got them a while ago, and they just blessed my soul. They just blessed my soul so much. So you know, you're like boarding the plane and it's like all noise. And you always board next to the family with like 17 kids that's never flown before for some reason. And it's like everybody's loud, everybody's doing this. And, and, and so it's like, you know, all the kids doing this and all the luggage is like, oh, it doesn't fit. You know, and you know, they're like, please sit down, please get in. We're supposed to, we're supposed to take off in 17 minutes, da, 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 da. And so there's all this noise and people are trying to do this. And this family seat's got split up. So they're like yelling four O's back like, hey, can we switch to 23F again? And then, and then there's like the, like, like the flight instructor that's like trying to go through his little thing that they have to do, but nobody pays attention to. You know, it's like, in case of emergency, pull it down and put you know in your life fest and come to and like all this all this stuff right all this noise all this stuff happening and I got these noise canceling headphones and I put them over my ears and they're super fancy okay so the technology is super cool in this they're battery powered and so they observe and they bring in all the noise that's happening around them and when you turn it on there's a little switch. When you turn it on, it also sends into your ears a frequency that directly counters the, the noise around you, so it essentially makes like you sound like you're in a vacuum. So, so I put it on, and it's... And then I put it on, and just... And then all of a sudden, it's like... And now I'm like looking around. The first time I did it, it was super trippy. It was really weird. Because I'm looking around, and I see like... <laughs> 
people are doing this, the guy's like sitting there doing this, and like I hear nothing. Like I actually took them off. I'm like, you know, <laughs> it was super weird. But it was like as soon as I could get them on and turn it on, boom, it was like the noise was still there, but I just had to quiet it for a moment so that I could hear what I wanted to hear. And this is so true of our spiritual lives. It's not that everything around you is going to stop. It's not that you're, you know, get rid of your phone, don't have friends, don't watch the news. It's, it's not any of that. It's just for moments, you've got to have a pattern in your life of silencing everything else. Putting it away, turning off the notifications, turning off the phone, putting the phone in the other room, like, like telling people you'll call. Did you know you can call people back? Did you know that? Did you know you can leave voicemails and people can call you back? Like, did you, you can actually get into a quiet place where it's you and God, where you can hear God's voice. Because with all the other noise going on around, like God just won't fight over that. So, so I've got to get into a quiet place. I've got to get into a secret place with God where I can hear God's voice because God is speaking. I'm telling you, God is speaking. God wants to reveal things to you. God wants to encourage you with things. God wants to guide you in things. God, the, the still, small voice of God is speaking, and he's speaking clearly, and, and we've got to quiet the other noise around us so we can hear from God. Here's some noises we got to quiet, some voices we got to quiet. You got to quiet the voice of the enemy in your life. Doubt. Anybody ever struggled with doubt before? <laughs> doubting your own abilities, doubting God's work in your life. Man, what is, is God even real? Is God even, is God even for me? Like, did God even call me to this because I'm trying to do this and it's not like, where is God? Like, any, we've all had seasons of doubt. Did you know doubt's not from God? Like Paul tells Timothy, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Gave you a spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Like any, any voice of fear or doubt in your life is not from God. And so you've got to have time where you can quiet the voice of doubt in your life and say, I'm going to, it's real and I have that doubt, but I'm going to put it to the side and I'm going to hear from God because doubt is not from God. How about lies? You've got to quiet the voice of lies in your life. The enemy, the language of the enemy is lies. The enemy is fluent in the language of lies. When the enemy speaks, the enemy lies. This is what the enemy does. His words are lies. His language is a language of lies. And, and, and we, we, we can hear them, and if we're not careful, we can begin to believe them and live them out. And, you know, we just talked about uh, you behave according to how you believe. And so the enemy can begin to speak lies to you that you begin to hear, that you begin to believe, that you begin to live out. And, and so we've got to hear God's truth so that we don't live according to the lies of the enemy. Got to... Get rid of the voice of fear in our life. Again, fear is not from God. Any, anytime you have fear, it's, that's not the voice of God. That's not the voice of the Spirit of God. That's the voice of the enemy. How about this? We've got to quiet the voice of praise in our life. <laughs> I'm not talking about you praising God. I'm talking about other people praising you. We, we often see Jesus actually coming off a good scene or a good miracle or a good season 
where Jesus is getting lots of praise and Jesus has just done something good. Jesus has just fed people or healed people or done this and people are following him and people are looking to him and rather than getting in the autograph line, Jesus retreats. (laughs) Mark chapter six, right after the miracle, it says he leaves them. So it's like, wow, Jesus, amazing. Wow, look what you did. Uh, Where'd he go? Like, Jesus, you didn't stick around for the press conference, man. That was great. How'd you do that? That was great. Let's talk about it. Like, no, he's gone. Where did he go? He went on a mountainside to pray. It's it's not that Jesus is against, obviously, getting praised. That's what we exist to do, praise him. But what he's showing us is his approval and affirmation did not come from the applause of man. It came from his father. Jesus is showing us that sometimes we need to quiet the voice of other people praising us in our lives. And again, I'm not against compliments, giving or receiving them, but if your soul needs them, that's dangerous. If your soul needs it, that's dangerous. That's why we have to get alone with God to to quiet the voice of other people's praise in our life and make sure we're getting filled up with approval from God, not from man. There's sometimes I look at people and they're on cloud nine. They are crushing it. They are having success and they are getting influence and their platform is growing or their business is growing, whatever they're doing, and up and up and up. And the more praise they're getting, as great as it sounds, I start to worry for you. Because I know now you don't need praise from God. You got praise from people. And if you're not careful to quiet the voice of praise in your life, you can stop going to God for approval and ride the wave of approval of man that, by the way, ends quickly. Even for me as a pastor, I, I love, you guys are the best church ever. You guys are so encouraging. And I love talking to you after service and hearing how the word spoke to you and hearing what God is doing in your life through our church and through the people in this church. I love that. And this is not me telling you to not do that. That blesses me and encourages me greatly. But if I need that, I'm an unhealthy pastor. If I need you, to praise me in the lobby about my 40 minutes on this stage every week, my soul is unhealthy. Because I'd be needing praise from you and not getting it from God. And so often we have to get alone with God, not only to quiet the voices of the enemy, but to quiet the other voices of praise in our life and say, God, I'm gonna get my affirmation and approval not from man, I'm gonna get it from you. I'm gonna get it from you. There's also voices from God that we need to hear. We need to hear the guiding voice of God. Do you know God wants to guide and direct your life? Do you know God has specific things for you that he wants to speak to you and lead you in? We gotta get along with God to hear God's guiding voice. There's a great passage in Luke chapter number six. It says this in verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went up to the mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God, right? So this is another one of his retreat moments. He's, he's doing this all night. He goes off to pray during the night. Here's what Jesus was doing the morning after, ready? When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose the 12 of them who he also designated apostles. So Jesus knew the next day I'm picking my squad. The next day I'm appointing leaders that I'm gonna commission with my message. The next day, I'm appointing people 
to carry the torch, the message of the gospel, forward, apostles. So I've got a decision to make. What do I need to do? I need to go get along with the Father. I need to pray. I need to get along with the Father to seek Him because I've got decisions to make. Look, for so many of you in the room, you've got this year decisions to make. Not even this year, this week, this month, this day. There's decisions you need to make with your family, with your business, with your future, with your calling. There's things, there's decisions you need to make. And did you know God wants to guide you? And I'm not saying God's going to write a three-step plan for everything you need to do in the sky for you. Sometimes God guides us by our own failings and our own stumbling along. But, but there are times where God wants to speak to you and guide you. And, and we've got to hear God's guiding voice in our life. How about we've got to hear God's convicting voice? And there's things in our life. I love this quote by Darius Daniels. There's things in my life that I can't see that are killing me. Do you know the Spirit of God can convict you of sin and blind spots in your life that you don't know? James talks about his word is like a mirror. You put it up to yourself and you see like, wow, it begins to read you and begin to adjust your life. God's Spirit wants to convict you of your sin. He wants to make you more like Christ. He wants you to turn from the ways of your life that are not honoring to him and put you on a path that's more honoring. God wants to convict you, but if you're too busy hearing other noise, you won't hear the convicting voice of God. And then finally, the approving voice of God. Look, I don't need the approval of man for my soul to be healthy, but I do need to hear the approval voice of God. Even Jesus himself heard the voice of the Father after he's baptized. You are my son. Like that's identity. God is saying you're mine. Whom I love. That's affection. I love you. Whom I am well pleased. There's delight, pleasure. It's the voice of the Father giving identity, affection, and, and he's, he's approving of his son. So it is with us. We need to hear from the Father often that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are sons and daughters of God. If we've put our faith in Christ, we are forgiven and redeemed. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places and we've been given every, sing, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. We, we need to hear God's promises and God's word over us. Those are the things, by the way, that, that, that help defeat the voices of doubt. Those are the things, by the way, that help push back the voices of fear. When you begin to declare God's promises and goodness over your life, the approving voice of God. Am I helping somebody today? Number three is this. We retreat to re-surrender to God. We retreat to re-surrender to God. You say, Pastor Nate, I'm already surrendered. I'm a believer. I'm already a Christ follower. I love God. I was in church. I'm in church right now on Super Bowl Sunday. I really love God. (laughs) Yeah, but you need to re-surrender every day. You need to rewrite the blank check of your life and put it on the table before God every day. You need to every day deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus. Every day you need to put to death the things of the flesh that you, you might live by the spirit that you might not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
Every single day, you've got to, not my will, your will be done. Say, Pastor Nate, where are you getting this from? Well, Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 26. Jesus went with the disciples to a place, place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. So Jesus is about to go to the cross. He knows what's ahead. He knows the mission God has put him on from, uh, from the Father. And so he's in the garden, and what does he do before? He retreats to the secret place with God. <laughs> as much as he loved his disciples, he's like, guys, I can't even be with y'all right now. Y'all stay here, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I need to get alone, alone. <laughs> y'all stay here, I'm gonna go. So a few verses later, verse 39, ready? Going a little farther, so now he's alone with the Father. He fell with his face to the ground and he prayed. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. This prayer is so rich right here. I could preach a whole message on it. I won't do it today. I'll resist the urge. <laughs> Jesus is essentially asking for plan B. Like he's literally asking, hey, is there another option? Because I don't want to do this. Now, again, theologically, you've got to process this right. Like this is not Jesus saying, I don't love the world. I don't want to die for them. I don't care for them. I don't want to go. This is not Jesus saying, oh no, the cross. I'm scared to have, I'm scared to go through physical pain. I'm scared of the pain. Like Jesus is not, is not, this is not out of a dislove for humanity. This is not out of a fear of physical pain. This is out of the agony of having to be forsaken by his father. For, for the first time ever, Jesus has gotten a command from God that he says, no, is there another way? And it's the only command that would separate him temporarily from his father. It's the one where the father would forsake him. And the good news of the gospel is that the father forsook Jesus temporarily so that he'd never have to forsake us. So, so Jesus knows he, he's about to be forsaken by the father. He's about to go through this. He knows what's coming. And he's, he says, if there's another way, I want it. If there's a plan B, I'll take it. But yet he knows, because he's been with the Father, that there's not. He, he knows, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. He knows that the chasm is far too wide for us to breach, that he's got to do it to reconcile me and you back to him. He, know, he knows. So even in his agony and his alone time where he's saying, I want a plan B, is there another option? He knows. So what does he do in the garden? He resurrenders, not as I will, but as you will. There's something about being in the secret place with God. There's something about being alone with God. There's something about hearing the voice of God that just calls you to resurrender. God, I'm all yours. God, anything that you ask me to do, anything that you speak to me here, I, I'll do. I'll leave this prayer closet and I'll go out and do it because I know if you be for me, who can be against me? God, uh, uh, it's, it's a re-surrendering every time we retreat to give ourselves and give our lives back to God fully. Here's the last point I want you to write down. You won't live boldly surrendered before man unless you've privately surrendered before God. You want more boldness? and your faith publicly, get alone with God privately. <laughs> you want signs and wonders to follow your life, lock yourself in the prayer closet. <laughs> 
You want the power of God to flow through you and the spirit of God to speak to you and for your words to be anointed by God, get to the secret place. Go to the mountainside. Retreat. Abandon all else. Withdraw from all else. Quiet all the noise. Turn on the headphones. Shut the phone off and get alone with God. Surrender before God. Man, you can leave that secret place and you do anything God's called you to do. This is Jesus going to the cross, fresh out of approval from God, fresh out of resurrender to the Father. And for us to survive, for your soul to stay sane in the carnival of 2022, you've got to have a rhythm of retreating. You've got to have a rhythm of getting alone with God so that God can speak to you, so that you can resurrender your life to Him. Amen? Even as we gather on the weekends, we have a moment. It's just a brief moment every week, but this is why the corporate gathering of God's church is so important because we have a moment where we are doing that. We are retreating from everything else going on, everything else you gotta go back home to, what's, what's, what's at work for you tomorrow, all that kind of stuff. And as we gather together as God's church, we are getting along with God. We're saying, God, I'm here to worship you. God, I'm here to hear from you. God, I'm here to shut off all the other noises. That's why I pray every single Sunday before my message that you wouldn't just hear me talk. You'd hear from God. You don't need to hear a message. You need to hear God. You don't need to sing a song. You need to get in God's presence. You, you need to hear from God. And so, so Drew's going to lead us in one final song here today. But look, I don't just want it to be like, oh, it's just the fourth song. It's a great service. Great message. Pastor, it's the fourth song. No, no, no. We're getting alone with God. We're, we're focusing our attention on God. We're putting aside everything else that would be calling for our attention. And we're saying, God, we need you today. God, I want to hear your voice. God, I want to focus on you today. Let's start this rhythm in our life right now today. Can we do that? Would you stand with me all over the room? Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for this time around your word and around your people and in your presence where we can focus on you, God. Lord, I pray even in this final song as we sing, Lord, would we meet with you, God? Would we hear your still, small voice, God? Help us to put aside the things that might be distracting us and to worship you today, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Hey, if this content was helpful and encouraging to you, you could help us out by leaving a review or sharing it with the people in your life. I know it would bless them. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.